0: Welcome to the No Problem Parenting Podcast. Turn behavior problems into no problem with Jackie Finneman. Are you ready to become the confident leader your kids crave you to be? Do you want to learn how to make parenting easier and more fulfilling? Whether you are at your wit's end or you want to have more fun as a parent, you're definitely in the right place. Now here's your host, Jackie Finneman. Hey parents, welcome back to the No Problem Parenting Podcast, where we choose to deal with and overcome the behavioral challenges within our home. And today I have a super fun guest on the show with me. Her name is Dr. JJ Kelly. She is a licensed clinical psychologist, emotional intelligence skills training expert, say that three times fast, and Mm -hmm. the best-selling author of The Holy S-H-I-T, just in case your kids are listening with you in the car the Holy S series. And it's, she's also the CEO and founder of unorthodox. I love this. I have to say Dr. JJ unorthodox, D-O-C-S, Inc, a punk alternative to traditional psychotherapy that centers around group process, peer coaching, mentorship, and community outreach. Dr. Kelly and the unorthodox or her former patients, live their lives with the belief that global healing is achieved by teaching people the skills to like themselves. And we were just talking a little bit before getting started, and I can already tell we are sisters from another mister. I am so excited to have you here with me today. Thanks so much, Kelly. Thank <laughs> Kelly, you. Dr. Kelly. Thank you so much for being on the show, Dr. Kelly. I'm psyched. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna have pop here. A
1: little bit. <laughs>
0: well, I have like a ton of questions for you. You do have, and I'm gonna put all of the links in the show notes. You've written several books, and I'm thrilled. I unfortunately, haven't read them yet, but I uh, have ordered all of them. The holy sh*t, my kid is cutting. Super curious about that one. Holy sh*t, I'm a gifted <laughs> misfit. I love that. I am. I am a misfit. So I know I'm going to love that one. Mm-hmm. And the holy, sh- I'm dealing with the narcissist. That's intriguing. And these topics are so like all over the place. So I have lots of questions mm-hmm. for you before we get into all of them. Please, you know, my story we share, I shared with you a little bit about my background as a 20 year counselor turned parenting coach. What is your story? How'd you get into the
1: biz? Yeah. I mean, I, how do you get into the biz? I, I bet this is similar to you. Like, you just kind of know, right? You gravitate toward helping people, and then this is what you do, and you go the academic route or you don't. But if we're lucky, we get to work with people and actually watch them improve, and that makes it the best job ever, whether you got letters after your name or not. By the way, plenty of dumb people have letters after their name. So, uh, <laughs> it's not i mean that is true know, it's, it's privilege right i mean if you get higher education and most people get it without going 200k in debt um cuz they have access and i i do think that part should change and it's sort of it's sort of uh dovetails i hate that word <laughs> dovetails into the similarity that um I referenced before, which is after almost 20 years of doing a thing Mm -hmm. and becoming an expert in that, I was like, this is a system that I don't think is healthy for the world. It's got a lot of isms in it, mental health, just like the world does that, that we're trying to change. And, you know, I loved what I did with psychotherapy, psychoeducation, lectures, that kind of thing. Um, However, it's within a system that I didn't believe in anymore. So yeah, I left a pretty lucrative private practice to start um, my company and to start a new paradigm that actually works and doesn't make people dependent on you. And isn't like people getting together, learning emotional intelligence skills, and then they can go. They don't have to be dependent on me forever forever they can use their skills and grow and if there's a crisis they know where to find me so
0: yes but it doesn't have to be every week for several months and several years and all that now again not that for some people that's what they need that's what works but one of the things I was always the type of counselor where I wanted to get in and get out I was a three month six month max kind of person Um, unless it was you know we'd see i It'd be once a month eventually or something like, call me if you need me sort of thing. But in the Mm -hmm. system, we couldn't always do that because we had to, we could only leave a case open for so long. It was a case, right? right? And so that was, that was tough. Um, Not that I don't believe in the mental health system as a whole therapy, for instance, there are lots of great therapies out there, Um, but just not everybody needs that. And I started finding myself more drawn to the people that really didn't need to be dependent on a system. They just needed some support, validation, acknowledgement, normalcy, normalizing.
1: Yes. Yeah. Normalizing for sure. Tools.
0: Yep. Yeah. You know, like, and like
1: a diagnosis isn't a, isn't a death sentence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the normalizing, you know, one of the, my, my program is based on dialectical behavior therapy, which yeah. I've taught since oh four which for people who don't know, that's just a fancy name for basically Zen mindfulness meets cognitive behavior therapy. So it's everything is the Venn diagram in my world. So it's not black and white. We're trying to live in the gray. Everybody kind of knows that black and white thinking at this point, they know that that's pretty much a recipe for depression and anxiety. So people kind of know, They're supposed to learn how to tolerate the anxiety of the unknown living in the gray, but they don't do it. Right. And it's not taught to them. But the staple of what we do is validation. You were saying normalizing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Validate the experience of the person. You don't just jump in there and problem solve right away. You got to learn about the person, meet them where they are first before you know what tools to even offer them. But there is, it's, ironically, there's not enough listening by mental health professionals. They hear one thing and then they're like, oh, we'll do this. Well, yes. connection, the connection that I think is needed for healing. It also, it doesn't have the authenticity. It's some sort of like doctor knows best, robot, what I learned in a book, DSM. I'm trying not to swear. You're doing a great job. I-
0: yeah. Diagnosing is good. So we know if we're treating depression or if we're treating, you know, anxiety or if it's autism or if it's right. I mean, like all the different, however, everybody's still unique. And yep. so, or ADHD or whatever. There's
1: a the Venn diagram right there. That's a dialectic. Right? Yes.
0: yes. Yeah. See, I didn't even learn it. I mean, I'm sure I had to take some, some workshops on that back in the day. It's common sense, dude. Well, and there you go. That's yeah. the weight of my heart.
1: <laughs> me too meet you. Yes. Just be a person. Come on. Quit trying to demonstrate how smart you are all the time. Like, come on, doctors. Like get your hands dirty. Get in and listen and connect. Like, right. All this, all this schooling. And we're not supposed to talk about like loving and caring for the kid. Come yeah. On. So here,
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna re mention this because I know we talked about it before we started recording for the show, but um, the, the turning point for me, cause I loved my job. I really did. When I first got the job as a mental health practitioner, like this was the best job. And I got to go to people's homes. We didn't have an outpatient mm. office. It was everything mm. in their home on their turf where they felt the kids That's felt cool. less vulnerable. Right. Yeah. So that was really, really, really good. And we were in their trenches then, you know, whether, yeah. you know, it was, that they were a, pe- a family in poverty and, you know, barely able to keep the heat on, you know, on a cold winter day and the windows are all frosted up or uh, they had better uh, economic circumstances. Didn't matter. We it's, we were in their home, they were on their turf, they were more comfortable. And one of the things I loved the most was that on our treatment plans, we had to have treatment plans, insurance paid for these services, right? We had kids, we were only serving kids with mental health diagnoses. The first goal was joined to create trust.
1: Yeah. And it was
0: like, Oh, that's awesome. Because that's what you were doing. So I could take kids out into the community. I could take them fishing. I could do things to just join and connect, right. Yeah. And get to know them. And then, I don't know, somewhere in the early 2000s, that all changed. I think it's when mental health went to medical models. So anybody out there yeah. making the rules, listening to the podcast today, stop it. Yeah. Uh, it's not helping. Why um, I left. Yeah. And then we, yeah, then it was measurable goals. This child will tantrum three out of five times as reported by blah, 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 blah. You know, the parents, the teachers, the schools, what I'm like, what is that? So yeah, that's when things started to kind of be like, I don't know if this is, you know, a good fit for me. Let's just say that I'm always, I want to be kind to be
1: part of a system that monetizes people. I do love helping
0: families in their day in day out real life situations. And that's again, why I wanted to bring you on because you're the
1: real deal. Yeah.
0: You're 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 meeting kids where they're at. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And offering an environment where imperfection is totally okay. In fact, even encouraged like the weird bits of you are allowed to come out. And that kind of thing happens in a top down way. Like I have to walk the walk. That's why I don't stop cursing. You know, that's why I let the weird show because it's an invitation in my modeling of behavior to them to do the same I want to actually know them I want them to know themselves so let's not hide anything you don't have to hide here it's not about approval seeking it's not about compliance Mm -hmm. it's about improving your quality of life your your capacity to experience joy that takes truth it sure does. It can be messy. So let's get messy. Yeah. Let's seek first to
0: understand. That's step one and no problem parenting. Get to the root of the problem. Why is my child behaving the way they're behaving? And why am I responding or reacting the way that I am? Yeah. Yes. Yes.
1: Validate before problem solving.
0: One of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is because you bring a lot of humor and mm-hmm. fun and funny and lighthearted to sometimes really tense situations are really Barry. dark, dark, you know, That's situations, hate. depressive Wait. situations, things like that. How do you do that? What do you do? What's your approach?
1: Well, I mean, you ride the horse the way it's going, right? I mean, like, it's part. I do think part of it is being Midwestern, you know, it is a cultural thing. And also like our age as well, like goofing around was sort of, a competition a friendly competition growing up like whoever could goof the hardest and make the the rest of the friend group laugh like everything for the crack is what the Irish say for the fun the fun of it and um and even if it means serving yourself up on toast for the funny yeah and an ability to laugh at oneself I think demonstrates real resilience you talk about markers there's a marker. Can somebody laugh at themselves? Come on over to California, by the way. The answer is mostly no. (laughs) And I'm all, I take my work very seriously and I do it playfully and with joy. There's another dialectic, the Venn diagram, because it helps the medicine go down. You know, to be laughing calms the central nervous system down. That's a neurophysiology thing. You know, that, that's just the science of the body, but also it's just a way to form human connection. And we all know it when you're belly laughing with somebody, it may be on a first meeting you're friends forever after that.
0: Absolutely. Yep.
1: So how we connected so easily, right? Yes. Yes. Well, you also have the authenticity thing going on too. Like you care for real yeah I and do. and that's that's cool you know I I do want to be around do-gooders oh
0: well you know join my circle I'll join yours it'll yeah it'll, 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 it's all Mine's it'll...
1: pretty small these days by the way I'm not sure what I got I've cleared the deck for you know when you level up sometimes you yes or walk away from them so yeah well I think for me
0: Uh, A lot of people, it's like as a parenting coach, there's so many, you know, it's like there's so many topics, there's so many views, there's so many opinions and all of those things. And so, and I am the nice, like, I, I really want to be respectful to other people's beliefs. So, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean I don't have my own. And the thing that I am authentic about is it's okay. If you disagree with me, it's okay. If you have a different stance If you have a different cause or a different belief, I don't have to agree with yours, but I can still like you want to be around you and respect you as long as you're not forcing your stuff down my throat. And I'm not forcing it down yours. I am who I am. You are who you are. We may fit. We may not. And then putting up that boundary. I mean, for a long time, I would, I think a lot of people do this. We surround ourselves with people that we really don't want to be around. Yeah. And we try to make it work and we try to hang out with them because, you know, they're overall nice people. Yeah. But when they're constantly putting you down or nitpicking you for this or that or, you know, kind of draining your energy, it's like, why am I hanging out with them?
1: Well, this is
0: not a good fit. Let's just exit stage left politely. and, And then when you can't do that, sometimes it has to be a little bit more like a brick wall up. And keep her moving like we say in the midwest can love someone from afar absolutely i, I love that about you i love that you see people for who they, but you still are who you are and you stay true to yourself Oh yeah. what you talked about the isms in mental health mm-hmm. there's a lot of isms how do we cure ourselves and the world of the isms because i know oh, you have a different that, stance on this or a different take and i'd love to hear that it
1: the big question well <clears throat> i believe clinically that and have seen evidence of that when you give an individual a place to specifically define what their values are and let that be okay validate that even if they're different from yours we talk about what are your values and then i am an expert at the tools of how to still behave according to your values, even when you're emotionally activated. Mm. And that is, I'm saying that in a very succinct way, but that's a really difficult and layered thing. And I teach the four modules from DBT, mindfulness, distress tolerance, emotion regulation, and interpersonal effectiveness. Those are packed full of tools, each one of those. And then you can cherry pick based on the situation as you continue to learn and practice the skills. So if you are a person that is now regularly engaging in behaviors that are in alignment with your values, you're building self-esteem and self-confidence, for real. Not just talking about it, it's actually improving your quality of life and your ability to, your capacity to experience joy. So everybody's getting whole, right? Mm-hmm. They're They're building their self-esteem, their self-confidence. They're eliminating behaviors that cause shame. That's a biggie, because every time you get emotionally activated, when you get so distressed that you give yourself permission to act the, act the jerk, <laughs> Then that causes shame. And then you hide the shame, because humans want to like, hide out from shame, and that causes anxiety, which increases your chances. Of engaging in the behavior that causes messes in the first place, and then shame, and then anxiety. You see, yeah. So if you're eliminating those behaviors when you're emotionally activated, that causes shame. Then you're engaging in the behaviors on a regular basis that align with your values. You're building self-esteem and self-confidence. Now that individual is getting whole. They're finding out who they actually are, who they want to be. And I believe that the natural consequence of getting whole is that you want to then give. You want to naturally give and share and help. Yeah. Because that's what happy people do. Right. They, they value generosity. They value connection. And now these skills have given them a way to actually do that in a very practical way. I think the human spirit craves connection and that can come through helping. It can come through generosity. It can come through teaching. You know, my advanced students, they know so much. They're so emotionally intelligent, way more than any doctoral student I ever ever supervised by the way. So they're getting their whole young individuals I want them now to mentor the younger ones. So that's what we're moving towards then. Oh, that's The cool. pre-docs, the yeah. ones that are under 18. Oh, I love it. They <laughs> get cute. Oh. Baby docs, pre-docs. Yeah. So they dip in, the docs, the advanced students dip in and do their own teaching. I have a kid, uh, one of the advanced students who, who's mentioned in the cutting book, this kid has uh, passed and has brought herself through oh it's unbelievable she's a miracle um she started um an mma business where she also teaches the emotional intelligence skills within the self-defense it's so mma like martial arts yeah she's a competitive fighter which paging dr freud on that one right so she, she teaches (laughs) <laughs> some, of the, a joke. some of the docs and some of the pre-docs self-defense how to defend themselves how to get resilient and I mean it's so that is cool.
0: so awesome yeah I just had Michelle Tremblay on the show uh recently too she t- teaches that it's like that you know g- going from shy girl to confident person through martial arts, yoga, dance, movement, those kinds of things. Um, and then also we we talked about what shy kids and mean kids, not always bullies, but have in common, um, which is often a lack of self-confidence. And so I love that you're doing that too. Like getting them to feel whole, to know who they are in their own skin. Right. And when they do, when we do feel good, we're not mean, we don't feel like we need to be defensive or resistant or mean. We're giving and being kind instead. I love that. But what do we do? Focus so much on the problem, and that's another right. question I wanted to ask you. Why do you think we focus so much on fixing the problem rather than
1: listening? It's the men, it's the medical model. Yep. It's patriarchal. So tell me After more about that. Best. Doctor knows best who has historically been the doctor, who has historically um, earned the money to get a doctorate. Um, top down is very much the society we still live in. Um, and I, I don't mistake that with an oversimplification of man hating. The patriarchy hurts men too, they're only allowed to feel one emotion anger. That is not great for men yep. and for sweet boys and sweet men, society's pretty tough on empathic dudes.
0: Yeah. So
1: I'm talking about a system that encourages certain things, money, power, competition, and, and discourages other things, uh, emotion, collaboration, sharing generosity. I mean, I think that again, the Venn diagram, the balance of masculine energy and feminine energy into that intersected middle, which is a blend of the two.
0: Right. And that's why seeking first to understand and really getting to know the person, not from this expert like, Oh, I'm an expert. Cause I have 30 years of experience working with kids and families. So I'm going to be able to come in and tell you exactly what you need. No, right. I right. have some skills. I have some experiences, most of which I've learned from the families I've worked with just like you. Right. Mm-hmm. And everybody is still unique. So I'm going to tell you what I know and what, I, but we're going to tailor it. We're going to, one, one of my favorite things, when parent, when my client's you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give them a suggestion or something to try, and then they come back and, oh, that didn't work at all. Or you know, they're all frustrated. Well, see, we've tried everything, and we've tried this, and we've right. tried that, and that right. didn't work. And I'm like, that's the stuff I want to hear. Some yeah. parents don't want to tell me it didn't work, like they're going to hurt my feelings. I'm like, no. If it doesn't work, you got to tell me. We're going to figure out how to make it work, tweak it, or do something totally different. Mm-hmm. We are not following a strict
1: totally rule of you know treatment plan goals here. That- is another answer to your question then ego is the problem oh fragile ego is the problem and a natural byproduct of a patriarchy by the way because if you have to present as extraordinary and right all the time not possible everyone makes mistakes so then you hide them away if you're hiding anything that's going to cause shame and then that's going to spike anxiety that's going to increase the behaviors that erode self-esteem because they cause shame, and over and over again. Right. So I tell I tell the people I work with that, like, dude, I think everything that comes out of my mouth is brilliant. But if it doesn't resonate with you, it's garbage. If you can't, if you don't feel it in your gut, throw it in the garbage. It doesn't matter if it isn't connecting. I'm just, yeah. You know, I'm taking educated guesses on how we can connect. If, if it's not connecting, then throw it away. Like, you think I care what a 13-year-old thinks of my IQ? Like, no offense, but come on. Yeah. Right. But it's, like, it, it's like people wanting, I had, I had a, a veteran once, 30 years my senior in the field. Uh, came in and audited one of my DBT classes years and years and years ago. And because they wanted to learn about DBT. And, uh, and when we left, this veteran said to me, wow, you really don't give a shit of people like you, do you? And I was like, uh, no. Why would I go in there and make it about me? My job in that room is to teach them the skills However, it can get done. If I put myself first, first of all, how fragile is that? How very Berkeley. Uh, if I put myself first, <laughs> oh. I'm thinking about being liked. How nasty is that? And yeah. I'm going to rob them of learning the skills they paid to come here and learn because I'm going to adjust based on trying to control whether they like me or not. How insecure and narcissistic is that? Not to mention criminal to some extent, because you're taking money to feed your fragile ego, which can never be fed that way, by the way. You can't fill a bottomless pit of no self-esteem in that external validation grab. That is not how it works. So what,
0: what do you think it was that the veteran saw in you that made him say that, that you didn't
1: care what people thought? like A little hostility. There could have been some passive aggression in that comment where there was, like, an actual judgment. Like, you better not act that way, rookie. Oh, you actually don't. Like, like I should question it. But I, honestly, I think there was a, a thing in, in it, too, of, like, a little bit of jealousy of wishing that they had the ego strength that I have and the wholeness yeah to do it in that very clean boundary way right yeah
0: I I can remember a couple of examples in my career too where that would happen you've got somebody that comes in that thinks well sometimes it's envy too right but they kind of like yeah they're so impressed with how you did that yeah but now they don't feel as competent or as capable
1: and and you know those are not Feelings, they feel insecure because they think they're not as competent yeah good and point i'm only saying that because that is a huge thing that we do is separate thoughts and feelings because general society has been taught by shrink good job to just say i feel statements but yes. like i feel like you're a jerk it's not a feeling that's a thought it's a, thought. It's a hardcore judgment
0: right and thoughts are things not feelings
1: that's, And they're not necessarily facts just because we think them. Right. Yeah. We validate feelings, not all thoughts, not all behaviors, absolutely not. But if you can get to the feeling, then you have a chance of not believing everything you think when you're emotionally activated. When you're super pissed, super scared, you're going to think crazy stuff and that's okay. That's totally natural. They have dark, dark thoughts. Okay, you don't have to hide that you think them. You can't control what you think. You just don't want to act on them. But everybody's like, oh, I want to portray myself as a good person. A good person never gets mad. Whatever. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) When anger is the emotion that signals to us that our boundaries are being crossed, who the hell do you think benefits from talking us out of legitimizing anger? So here's, here's another thing,
0: parents being strong enough, mm-hmm. maybe you may want to rephrase this for me to handle their kids need to know they are quote unquote strong enough, not physically, but you know, yeah, capable yeah. enough to handle those deep, dark yeah. thoughts, those, the, the darkest anger, the things that like, yeah. I, that's what I teach parents to be able to, if, if the kid doesn't think you can handle what they're thinking. Or feeling right,
1: right. They're not going to
0: come to you. So
1: that's right. I just wanted to add that on to what you were saying. Similar. That's similar to the story about the veteran. That that story I just told about the veteran is a lesson for parents. You cannot make mood dependent decisions. Everything I teach in the Get Real Get Real program is about not making mood dependent decisions. So you have your set of values as a parent, as a member of a family, you have your family's values. So you want to behave according to those values. And I think fear, and I I emphasize with parents, what a scary job, oh my gosh. And you can't be worried about whether your kid likes you or not. That sounds impossible and it must be so. It's going to make you effective. It's not about you. You made a person. So you do everything in alignment with your family's values to educate that person. And sometimes that means consequences. Because if they've gone outside of the line, which teenagers are going to do, it's their job, then it's your job to bring them back into the safety box of the family's values. The cutting book is all, it's a parenting manual, and it doesn't have to be just for self-harm, although chances are your kid is self-harming and self-medicating in some way. Sorry that that scares you, and you have to get real with that fact. It's not when, it's not if they drink, it's when they drink. Yep. You have got to wrap your head around these scary, because otherwise you're going to la-la-la head in the sand. Yep. And then you're going to miss it. And then they're going to be unsafe. So I do lay out in detail, a lot of these things, but this trend of wanting to be your kid's friend is making, it's putting out anxious and ashamed kids. It
0: is they're not confident. And I I think it's not, it's, it's about wanting to be their friend, but I think sometimes it's about not wanting to hurt their child's feelings. I see that a lot. Parents are too nice these days.
1: That is not, that it's is not, not what our kids want. It's right? not what they need. It's
0: right. not what they need. And, and they I know. think it comes from an endearing place. They're just, they're really worried. They're going to mess up. They're going to screw up. They're going to say the wrong thing. If they've got a very emotional child, you know, right. that's going through something. And so they don't know what to say or how to say it, or if they should bring it up or not bring it up. And so that's like, Literally fingernails on the chalkboard, I say with teenagers, when they're, they know their parents aren't comfortable talking to them.
1: Right. So the parent have to validate and problem solve around their own fear in order to regulate that emotion so they get back to baseline where there's a higher chance of them making an actually effective decision. Right. When you're emotionally dysregulated and you make a decision when you're way off baseline, that's a mood dependent decision that is not mindful. It is okay. often not effective and it often causes messes that need to be cleaned up later and cause shame and then anxiety. Right. So I want people to write down what their family's values are. I want them I, I in detail, talk about writing out a contract for the family, including oh, that. raise Grades and um, consequences and privileges and jobs outside the home, whatever your family's values are, you write them out, kids signs it, you sign it, it's on the fridge for when they go, No, you never said that. And you have a structure then that holds you, you know, what are the consequences? How long do they last? This thing about, oh, when your behavior improves. No, <laughs> no. You put a time limit on it. You don't shame them. The consequence is their consequence. You don't sit there and shame them because you're too much of a wuss to enforce a two-week grounded. Yeah. You you know, I actually, this is in one of the books, but I grounded a kid years ago for an entire semester, no phone, no computer other than homework, no, no Netflix or anything.
0: Uh, just have a moment of silence for you right now. Just to hang on. I just want a moment of silence for like we're all gonna pause. It's okay, Dr. JJ.
1: <laughs> go ahead. Three semesters of warning on that. I, okay. like, I will do this. And they didn't think it would happen. And then I brought the mom in and we wrote out everything of what was gonna go on. And the kid actually enforced it. Them More pain. than that. Yeah, that's
0: funny when it happens, doesn't it? No, I always yeah. talk to parents about like the grounding. We want don't ground or take technology away forever. But if you do, because you get to that point, which obviously with this kiddo, three semesters worth of warning on it, right? There was yeah. plenty of time to make a change. You then
1: you have to follow through. You have you cannot threaten things. You're not gonna follow through on. And this kid could their grades were tanking. They were like permanent, potentially permanently affecting the rest of their life right like my goal with somebody that's a teenager is to like not do any permanent damage and then get them to college right and this is something that by the way that kid got straight a's the rest of high school and like two b's in all of college yeah so they obviously were capable of doing the thing so yeah, that's know, a good
0: disclaimer to put in there because some yeah. kids, it's not about that they don't want, it's they really, there's some kind of learning disability going on there and they can't of do it. But anyway, course. that's what I we oh, can go. No,
1: that is addressed in the book as well. I do not forget about different abilities for different students. Right. And parents have to get realistic about that as well. You don't have to go to an Ivy League school to get a good education and to have a nice life.
0: Well, you don't even have to go to college right away if you don't know what the heck you want to do. There is nobody that, I mean, there's, you do not have to, There, are, oh, college not. is great, but college isn't for everyone. And we need yep. to change the conversation around that as well because we're putting kids in that, they're going for two, three years. They don't even know what the heck they're doing there. Grades are up and down and all around. And now they're, like you said, dead. I digress. Um. So yeah, back to the, the kiddo for the, the semester i don't
1: think you don't think parents should take the
0: phone away uh last resort i oh, don't i are no kidding yeah I don't i um in fact uh when kids as far as consequence, and that trust me everybody's different so there are times yeah. when the phone does have to go away because if it's if there's a safety risk with it it's got to go or maybe you give them a dumb phone and not a smartphone you know yeah. so you can still get a hold of them or something yeah, like that yeah, yeah. But yeah I'm not real big on on external kinds of it's all about when a kid messes up there needs to be a consequence for it right but Mm -hmm. problems that's why no problem parenting problems are meant to be dealt with and overcome it's in the definition of the problem
1: dealt with and overcome
0: so when a kid messes up and they do something whether it's a little mess up or it's a ginormous mess up their job is to make it right make it, make mm-hmm. up what they did wrong, right. Make up for mm-hmm. it, make, make, you know, make amends for it, fix, repair, whatever. It's all different depending on, you know, what they did. So I prefer, I learned this years ago in my uh, one of my favorite attachment specialists. It's a technique called the make it right technique. And I'll put that in the, in the show note, a link to that for people. If you want to get the free download, I give it away for free because I learned it from somebody else. Well, we all learned everything from somebody else. Right. right. But anyway, right. I give it away Uh, It's basically after something happens, you say, what happened when you're all calm, when you're not in a fight or flight, when you're not like resistant and defensive, you know, beefed up parental, you know, chest puffed up and I'm going to tell you, you know, what for and whatever, you know, not in those moments later, go back to it and you say, Hey, what happened? And the kid tells you, you get to the point where the kid can tell you honestly, what happened? I lied. I cheated. I went on a site. I wasn't supposed to, I, didn't do my homework, i hit my brother, i you know, smoked mm-hmm. pot, i did whatever it is, right? Uh-huh. And you say, um, yeah, good job being honest. Thank you. Good job being honest. Yeah. Step oh, 2 my- is acknowledge their honesty. Yeah. And then go into what are you going to do to make it up to me? What are you going to do to make it right? What are you going to do to make it up to your brother? What are you going to do to repair the door? And then they get the opportunity to do. They don't always know what they're going to do, so you can have a list of things. Uh, inside the pantry door or, you know, somewhere that said, these are things that this person, this person, this person, anybody in the family has their top 10 things that would make them feel good. If somebody wronged them or hurt them, sometimes Mm -hmm. the consequences vary, you know, well, you're going to have to go, you know, to the hardware store and pick up some sheetrock and fix the wall that you put a hole in, you know, sometimes that, but um, it's, what are you going to do to make it up to me? Or what are you going to do to make it right? And then that person needs to ask if this, like, let's say my kid hurt me. And I say, you know what, bud, I would just really love if you would go to a movie that I want to watch and you sit through the movie with me. That's how you can make it up to me. Because, you know, he's a teenage boy. He doesn't want to watch my movies. He doesn't want to go to see my movies necessarily, right? Mm -hmm. But that would fill my tank or go shopping with me. I am not, I don't like to shop and I definitely don't like to be in a store even by myself. So going shopping with me would, would make it up to me. That would fill my cup. That would make me feel good. And so then he can say, hey, mom, can I go to the movie with you? Yeah, that'd be great. All right, good job making it right. And then life goes on. We keep moving. But when we're constantly consequencing and putting these like groundings and taking technology away and the very thing, especially now, even though some of us adults don't get it, we don't understand the fascination with the technology all the time. It's their norm. It's mm-hmm. how they're living They're you know? Mm-hmm. So it's very hard on them when you take something like that away. Mm-hmm. And um, so instead of doing that, we give them an opportunity to make it up to us better than saying, oh, sorry, you know, kid hits another kid, oh sorry. Oh, They're yeah, not really not sorry. Acceptable. So now the kid no. that got kicked has also been lied to. Like, what right. is that teaching? Right. Right. Oh, but as adults, we're like, oh, but that made it all better. Okay, see, now you know what you did wrong was wrong. Okay, now we're, you know, no. Superficial. Anyway, like I said, I could hijack the podcast. I want to highlight you. So tell us a little bit more about the Get Real program. How does it
1: work? What does it look like? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's based on DBT, of course, and it is an eight week thing for beginners. Everybody has to start with the beginner and it is, I don't know, a series of short videos in a week, week one through seven. You watch the videos, you learn new skills, you practice the skills during the week, you write a little bit about it. You write it down, pen to paper, so that when you show up and I'm asking you, you don't have to remember. You can look at the piece of paper where you wrote it down because people freak out. So I make them write it down. And then we tweak it. When we get together, you, you demonstrate what you've learned, how you practice the skills, and then we tweak it to fit it To you and your values and just mine it and make it even more effective for you and see what what the impact was and it's super cool because very early on you're practicing the skills and you're going to see an impact and then it's no longer oh just because I said you got to take my word for it now they have their own data and that motivates them to be courageous and try more new skills. Because that eight weeks, I mean, CBT originally was like two hours for two years, two hours a week. I remember that. What? And I always did 16 weeks, because that's a semester, people are kind of used to that, to 12 to eight. And that just makes it more accessible. But it also means we're crunching a whole lot of really dense material Mm -hmm. into a short program. So we don't have time to like yeah. mess around, we got to get in there and tweak it right away, make it effective. But once they have their own data, which happens almost immediately, then we're off and running. Cause I'm I honest. love it. And is this one-on-one a group setting? Some, you, there are like group setting is the basic, but there are different packages. Okay. Like if people want one-on-ones, they can have them. If they want twice a week, they can have them. You know, if they want to tailor it to the kids, that's an option too.
0: So they go to drjjkell k e l-l y dot com and find out all about it. that,
1: right? Yep, they're all listed there, the different, the different packages. And it's like awesome. under 18s and over 18s, and it's beginner, intermediate, advanced. Everybody has to start with the beginner. I don't care if you think you've had DBT, because most of the time when people say they've had it, they don't even understand the first video. <laughs> they have not been taught BBC or not well anyway yeah
0: right what's the so,
1: youngest age you you serve? 10
0: okay so the 10 and ups through college adults through
1: 20 okay got it yeah i no i have adults as well i just like the i just like the analysts they all come to me yeah. but no i serve i serve adults i serve executives in corporations um i now because of the pandemic you know belfast new zealand like
0: yeah all over, all over. me new too York. i love it i love it
1: yeah cool it's a bright a bright
0: light or bright side to the stupid pandemic. all right well i want to also mention though
1: you have you have an instagram page at dr jj kelly tons of free content during the pandemic we put so you can learn so much just from my instagram so that's a, and that kids can follow it right Oh, for sure. For like sure.
0: It's, it's super kid-friendly and awesome. And then you also have a YouTube channel. So you do I a do. podcast or a YouTube show or what does
1: it? It has a couple of the podcasts that we've done, Throw Up Thursday, Come Barf Your Problems. You'll feel I better. love that. Um, I've listened to some of those. That is hilarious. Throw Up Thursday. Perfect. That's with one of the docs. And often docs will the advanced students will come on that and ask the question um that's what I like is the real life questions that I can just answer on a live that's just like quick and dirty I love it um and then we did a Joe and JJ go mental um with this woman from Belfast um so we we're trying to normalize mental health in different cultures that kind of a thing um But yeah, and you know, I made the books into audio versions and podcasts on Spotify. You can, and, and the cutting book is a, essentially a parenting manual, but what everybody needs is the gifted misfits one. That is the eight week course in a thin little book. Everything that I teach is in that gifted misfits book. People are all going toward the narcissism one because they, that's so fascinating with people nowadays. They think they know what it means, even though they don't. So I define that in the book, but I'm hoping that then people's interest in the narcissism book will bring them to the gifted misfits because that's what they actually need is the eight week course. That is so
0: cool. I can't wait to get mine and read them. I'm definitely having you back on. Thank you so much for being with me today. This is so fun. It is, you know, it's isolating when we're, we love this work from home gig, but it also can be isolating as just even as professionals and, and parents and all that. So I look forward to uh, checking in with you again real soon. Thanks again
1: for being here. Cool. My pleasure. Thanks for letting me talk.